The title of today's message is, Hey Fool, is treasure your pleasure? It's been a hard week. On Sunday morning, uh, July 5th, just three weeks ago today, a dear friend of our family, John Powell, celebrated his 38th birthday. John is very, very close. John and Catherine are very, very close to Tiffany, our daughter, and Tiffany's husband, Brandon, our son-in-law. And John's a church planter. (laughs) So what a blessing. He found himself preaching on his birthday. His 38th birthday. And he preached on Psalm 72. And he prayed that in the poor man's distress, Christians might be there. How, he asked his church, how could we pray that God would have compassion on those that need it while not having compassion on them ourselves? It would be like praying for someone who was robbed and beaten and thrown into a ditch while we pass on our way to wherever we're going. That was three weeks ago today. Saturday night, July 28th of this year, eight days ago, a dear friend of our family, John Powell, was on his way to buy a truck so that he could restore it with his boys. And while they traveled, they happened upon an accident in the middle of the road. One of the cars was on fire. John and his friend stopped, of course, and rescued those people from the burning vehicle. And in the process of all this, John looked up and he saw death approaching. pushed his friend out of the way and he accepted his own death. (sighs) Please stand as I read Luke 12, 13 through 34. Hear the word of the Lord. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? (laughs) He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? 
Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Brother Kevin, you've told us now about the death of a man who loved God and served him. And now you've read the scriptures where Jesus told us of a man who loved himself and served himself. What did these two men have in common? Not much. Uh, But they did share in this. They both died. They both died suddenly. They both died unexpectedly. I told you about John Powell, and we just read about the rich fool. But you know, there's another man in this passage. Did you see him? Brother Ken pointed this out in Sunday school. Look back at verse 13. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. As that great Bible teacher, preacher Warren Wiersbe says about this man who interrupted Jesus. He wanted Jesus to solve his problems, but not save him from his covetousness. Had Jesus made a just division of the property, this would not have solved the problem. For the heart of every problem is the problem in the heart. You may remember that just a few weeks ago I cautioned you to be very careful of the questions that we asked Jesus. And that's really what this man was doing. He was asking Jesus a question. It comes out as a statement. He says, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he's really asking Jesus to intervene. Notice that this man was not asking Jesus to solve his sin problem. And this is why we must be so careful of the questions we ask Jesus. Because our questions reveal what is actually going on in our heart. They reveal what we desire. So I must ask you, brothers and sisters, what are you asking from the Lord? Do an inventory. Think about what you're praying for. Do you ask the Lord for money? A raise? A better job? It would be far better for you to ask the Lord to solve your sin problem. Do you ask the Lord to repair your family problems? And we've all got them. It would be far better if you asked the Lord to solve your sin problem. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, the one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver. And Solomon should know. He said, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. Do you love silver? Do you love wealth? Solomon also said this in Proverbs. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Because you know better. Stop. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Do you want to be rich? That's a fool's errand. Rich. We talked about rich 
being rich. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. I loved what A.J. said. A.J. said, we're all rich. It's right. And I've been thinking about the man in this passage who hollered out at Jesus. His one statement, and Jesus responded to him so kindly, called him friend. As far as we know, this is it. This is one time to interact with Jesus. But Jesus seizes the moment and the opportunity to teach. And he segues into telling about the story of a big, rich, prosperous farmer who also had a problem. Well, he actually had several problems. Sam recounted for us in Sunday school today that, I think, was it 11, Sam? 11 times in this passage, this man refers to my barns and my produce and my storehouse and I will do this and I will do that. Me, me, me. I count at least six problems, but y'all are better than me. You probably have some more. Come up afterwards and tell me some more that he has. Number one problem he had, his farmland was too productive. I can't I'd even imagine. I've been in business all my life, and I've never said, well, I just had too much. Never. Not even close. This man had that problem. His farmland was so rich and so productive, that was one problem. He had another problem. His barns were too small. His fields were too big. His produce too great. His barns were too small. Couldn't store all of his crops. Second, that was the second problem. Third problem, he talked to himself a lot. And what he said wasn't really, wasn't really good self-talk, if you know what I mean. Fourth problem, he thought he had stored enough for years and years and years. Fifth problem, he thought he was going to live for years and years and years. Sixth problem, he stored up treasure for himself and he was cheap towards God. If treasure is your pleasure, then you, my friend, are a fool. Yes, we hesitate to say it because we know what Jesus said about calling people fools, right? Jesus warned about calling anyone a fool. So please note for the record that I'm just quoting God here. You may remember uh, recently, Brother Patrick brought us a message. And in this message, he told us the story of Yusuf the Turk, who was a wrestler. And in the 1950s, he was well-known. Wrestling was almost as popular then as it is now and every bit as authentic. And the European champion of wrestling was Yusuf the Turk, who came to America to fight, I love these names, Strangler Lewis. So he's going to fight Strangler Lewis for the world championship and $5,000, and Yusuf the Turk won, and he didn't want American dollars, he wanted gold. So he insisted on being paid in gold, he took the gold, he put the gold in his money belt, and he hurried home. He took the first ship available back to Europe. But halfway across the Atlantic, the ship foundered in a storm and began to sink, and Yusuf jumped for a lifeboat. But he missed, 
and he went straight to the bottom. His golden belt had become a golden anchor. Was Yusuf the Turk a fool? Was the rich, prosperous farmer a fool? Are you a fool? Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34 Hear the word of the Lord. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? Notice how Jesus refers back to storerooms and barns again. Comparing the ravens. And how they don't worry to this rich man who had one big worry. What am I going to do with all this? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even this little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and is thrown in the oven tomorrow, how much more will He do for you? You have little faith. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink. And don't be anxious for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom. And these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourself that you won't that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Last Sunday the message was on prayer and I confessed to you then and I repeat to you again that I'm not much of a prayer warrior. But this week has been so hard that prayer has almost seemed automatic. It was last Sunday on the way home from church that Tiffany texted us to know, let us know that John had died on that highway. <laughs> I've been married to Rhonda almost exactly 40 years. And I have learned that when she gasps, it's not a good thing. And we've been in prayer all week. You know, Tiffany and Brandon also suffered a devastating fire some four years ago, and it was bad. Um, they basically lost all their worldly possessions. They escaped with their lives, the lives of their children, and it was a very difficult time. But Tiffany told us this week that this is far worse. And when I think about verse 22, when Jesus said, don't worry about your life, I think about John because he was willing to give his life for his friend. Jesus said this, then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. What a beautiful picture of the gospel John was in following 
the Savior who gave his life for us. John gave his life for a friend. Jesus gave his life for his enemies. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This passage is so rich. Charles Spurgeon commented on this passage, and he kind of focused in on the birds, which I can really appreciate. He said this, quote, With the knowledge of his guarantees to you that you shall always have enough, what need have you to be careworn and anxious? Spurgeon goes on to say, I have often looked at birds in a cage and thought of the happiness and carelessness which they seem to exhibit. And yet, if you, the bird keeper, if you were forget to give them water, if you would were to forget to give them water, or if you were to fail to give them seed, how soon they would die. Perhaps the little creature has not enough to last even more than one day, but it goes on singing its tune and leaves all anxiety about the morrow to those whose business it is to care for it. You would be ashamed to let your birds starve. And will your heavenly Father let you, who are not his birds, but his children starve? No. Your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. I love that passage. Where he says, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. We need these things. But they consume us. Our possessions begin to possess us. On Friday, I watched John... Powell's funeral live stream with Rhonda and Elise and Tiffany and Brandon are now there with Catherine and the children and they're helping in any way they can. Tiffany and Brandon were so very close to John and Catherine. She texted this morning and just told us that this is far harder than she thought it was going to be. And please pray for Brandon. He is scheduled to speak at the graveside at 230 this afternoon. And as we watch the live stream of John's funeral, a man who literally gave his life for a friend. Do you know what I noticed? Not one single person talked about how much money John made. Not one single person talked about all the possessions that John had or didn't have. They didn't talk about his house or his truck. Well, they did talk about his cowboy boots. But they pretty much didn't talk about anything he owned. And I got to thinking about what would the funeral of the rich fool be like? wonder who attended. What do you think his funeral was like as compared to John's? What do you think your funeral will be like? Father, thank you. For this passage, we live in a bubble. Everything seems okay. We're living our lives. We're going along, just cruising along. Almost everything's under control. And then the bubble is burst. And we come face to face with death and the reality that we are so limited in the time that we have 
Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly, and we fly away. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Lord, we are your children. We're more than birds. I pray, Lord, that when we meet you, you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my heart's prayer today, Lord. I pray that it would be the heart's prayer of everyone who is here today, everyone who is within the sound of my voice, that we will hear those words from you because we will have served you well. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.